Ladies and gentlemen, we're here from the Robert Allenby Studio for the Sports Detention Podcast. Potty, welcome back. Ladies and gentlemen, it is always a pleasure. It is always a pleasure. Great to be here, Grago. Fantastic to be here. I'm excited How to be back. Mate? mate, I've got plenty of lead in my pencil today, mate. Ready to fire. Ready, Ready to, fire. to go. Uh, there is so much to talk about in the world of sport and entertainment, of course. We love it. We love it. We're a, uh, you know, we look after all areas here. At the sports mm. tension. Mm. Servicing all areas. Indeed, indeed. Yep, so, what do you think? Should we get into it? Let's go. We are back in the hot seat of the Sports Detention Podcast. Well, Potty, another week down, and it doesn't get less exciting, does it? Does not, mate. It does not. There's been plenty going on in the sporting arena. What's caught your eye, mate? What has caught the eye of the pod? Well, we've been watching the Cricket World Cup. We've been keeping a close eye eye on Australia's fortune, and uh, we'll certainly jump into the cricket. But it wasn't the cricket that caught my eye. It was Shane Watson who's over there doing a bit of commentary. Did, oh, okay, did yes. Did you catch it, mate? Watto, I think I know what you're talking about, but please enlighten the listeners. Shane Watson has uh, had somewhat of a wardrobe malfunction. <laughs> Basically, it looks like he has yes. worn a shirt that is five sizes too big for him, and it mm. is literally busting at the buttons. So what you're saying is it's not what caught your eye. It's someone could have lost an eye. Someone could have <laughs> lost an eye, mate. Those buttons are under duress. So I'm telling you, oh, they are straining. Mate. And I'll tell you what, it must be an expensive shirt. Because, you know, for it to put up under that silk, sort of wasn't strain, it? I think it was silk. Yeah. I mean, he would have been warm. He's, he's no... in India. He's yeah. royalty over there. They he's love Watto. The and we love Watto as well, mate. But, mm. um, you know, it looked like he tried to um, whack his wedding shirt back on after he let himself go a little oh, bit. Mate, we've, we've all done that. We it's, a, it's, like, um, it's like when you're at work and, and you get the, get the heads up, professional dress tomorrow. Yeah. And you just go, look, I'm sweet. And then you get up in the morning and you throw that jacket on. You go, ooh, <laughs> oh, no, crumbs. <laughs> I'm going to just pretend like I've been at the gym a couple of times lately and these shoulders are just getting too big. Yeah, I just go, well, <laughs> the buttons are out today. The <laughs> buttons are not coming into play and um, I'm going to be sucking in for a while. Yep. Yep. Yes. Anyway, that's what caught my eye. Don't, don't let it stop you though, Watto. We absolutely love you here. And uh, you're doing wonderful things over there at the World Cup. Mm, yes, uh, and and it's it's ticking along nicely, the old World Cup, but we'll get into that a bit later. But if you party. don't like what we're saying, Watto, feel free to challenge. Oh, no, <laughs> better not do that, Watto. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, mate, sorry. <laughs> well, look, I mean, don't be upset, Watto, because we're basically coming from the same... We're on the same team. We like, are. We, mate, there is not a time where I go in... To my wardrobe, and I'm playing a bit of Russian roulette. I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> Anything could happen. Anything yeah. could happen. But uh, anyway, well done, Watto. Mm, well done, mate. Um, look, mate, I don't know if you've had your year to the ground this week. The Chuck Norris jokes are back. They are back, and I Have love a Chuck that? Norris. Yeah, like it's just, 
I I don't know when they sort of kicked off again. I, I don't know whether it was on social media or I, I just saw a few pop up again. And I was like, oh, okay, yep. And anyway, and then they've just kept coming. So oh, is it? can we say they're officially back? They are officially back. I, I just think it's something that just, you know, goes around in a bit of a cycle. You know? Well, that's, that's what it appears, mate. So what's your best Chuck Norris joke, mate? Have you got one? I, I don't mean to put you on the spot, but have you got your best Chuck Norris joke for us? Mate, they're all pretty damn good. A mm. couple that strike my fancy is um, Chuck Norris doesn't do push-ups. He pushes the earth down. Mm. That's a cracker, isn't old it? Old classic. Yeah. Um, the old one, and I think he might have used this in the old Expendables uh, movie where he said um, he was bitten by a, by, by a snake and after five long, painful days, the snake finally died. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a few more, and they've, and they've basically... Chuck Norris jokes are going with the times, mate. Here we go. I've got a couple that I've rustled up. Um, Chuck Norris can make two sticks by rubbing fire together. (laughs) (laughs) That is a ripper. (laughs) Now, this one, this is very relevant to the times. Chuck Norris was exposed to COVID-19. COVID had to isolate for a month. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that is... So I'm dead set hoping that there is nobody listening out there who's going, who is Chuck Norris? Please, like... We I love got a, our listeners. Look, I've got a couple more before we were before we finish up. Chuck Norris walked into a chemistry class and ripped the periodic table of elements off the wall. Why? Because the only element Chuck Norris needs is the element of surprise. <laughs> yeah, that's a cracker. Oh, when Alexander Graham Bell first invented the telephone, he had three missed calls from Chuck Norris. <laughs> <laughs> Now, the only question left to ask, and it's not related to Chuck Norris, it's related to your comment, Potty, and I'm going to back you up on this one about cycles. Mm. When do we start looking for Coney again? Oh. <laughs> so what do we have, 2012? Oh, wasn't, wasn't that a good oh. of 72 hours where yeah. everyone was on the... Everyone was looking for an African warlord. <laughs> everyone was looking for an African... Everyone was watching that 20-minute YouTube clip. Yeah. And uh, I, think, I think the guy sort of, you know... He lost his mind. Like, he ended he, up he, going on a bender. He was ended up naked in the street, beating himself off. I was going to say, like it, it was, wasn't it was horrific. But that went from, that was like three days. Yeah. <laughs> like, he just couldn't handle the scrutiny. Yeah, well, I mean, mm. yeah, it happens. Um, speaking about honesty, mate, uh, another thing that's caught my eye. Now, Mel Meninga, and we'll address it later on in the Integrity Report, but I do appreciate Mel and his honesty as a, as a football coach. Now, we'd have to admit Mal Meninga's quite an honest man when it comes to, you know, his press conferences. He puts it all out there. I, I've met Mal personally in my in my travels and absolute salt-of-the-earth guy. Yep. Like, he is unbelievable. He's an absolute... He's, he's royalty. He's he's a national treasure, Mal Meninga. Yep. Too bad he's from Queensland because he's a grub, but yeah. <laughs> yes. he is a national treasure. Um, However... Mal Meninga's honesty and the pinnacle of management honesty was tested over the last week Mm. because I've come across this video from the Dorking manager. Dorking manager Mark White speaking about his team's performance at the conclusion of their FA Cup tie. So hang with us, listeners, and have a listen to this. Learn a fucking lesson 
because they were so poor. And I'll tell you one thing, I will always put my hand up. It's not about availability, injuries, who was returning, who wasn't. It wasn't about that at all. Um, it was about the fact that that team let the fans down 100% wholeheartedly. Sometimes I get the management team to take the blame, part blame, some blame, whatever. Today was wholeheartedly a bunch of players oh. that were absolutely shit. They <laughs> <laughs> well, tell us what you really think, Mark. But uh, Jeff, Was he wrong? Well, I mean, I didn't see the match. However, usually those, let's not kid ourselves, those conversations are had. Oh, yeah. In the same way, but they're generally behind closed doors. Behind closed doors, yep, 100%. Well done, well done. Well, honest football managers and coaches, geez, I wish we had more of it, Potty. Yep. Because, look, Ricky gives us, he gives us a nudge in the right direction. Mal is as honest as they come. Ivan Cleary doesn't say much, but he's quite honest. Yeah, he throws some of the West Tigers here and there. Yeah, Brad Arthur, he's generally on the back foot a fair bit. Robbo, Trent Robinson speaks his mind. Tuvi. Tuvi. Bring it on. (laughs) There's got to be an investigation. You know, so... I love it when coaches, managers can actually speak their mind and there should be more of it. I agree. I agree. Well, that wraps up what's caught our eye, mate. Should we get into the rugby league? Let's do it. The rugby league final was a big Wembley occasion. Oh, get that in here. All right, mate, the Pacific Championship continued this week and New Zealand and Fiji got the chocolates. Oh, yes. Did you see this match, mate? Um, I saw both of them. I, I was in and out of the, the Fiji-Cook Islands match, but, um, yeah, I, I watched the majority of the Kiwis match, which was, you know, it was a, it was a tough watch for Samoa. I, yeah. I, I love, you know, I, you know, I love the matchup, but, um, yeah, it was, it was, yeah. It was a very hard one to stick with, to be honest. I don't know about yourself. Yeah, I caught bits of it. Um, unfortunately, um, you know, for Samoa, they've had a couple of big uh, losses mm. uh, in the Pacific Championship so far. So that's um, that's probably hasn't um, it's it's probably let down uh, expectations, I suppose, compared to yeah. you know, twelve months ago. We're talking about the World Cup finalists there. Yeah, I I think you know and. You know, I think they set tongues wagging at the mm. World Cup last year. Yep. And, but it's very, very important to understand where Samoa are as a national team. And, and we've spoken about it previously on the, on the podcast around, you know, building up and allowing elite players to commit to playing for Samoa yep. and building up a bigger squad because, you know, quite frankly, they have a really, really good 17 to 20. Yep. You know, elite 17 to 20. But once a couple of injuries, you know, Jerome Lewis had to go and have off-season surgery. That's a massive loss, um, you know. And you, you're then trying to, you know, merge in a side that looks nothing like the one that played in the World Cup final last year. No, that's right. So, yeah, Jerome Lewis, one of the elite halves in the competition, there's absolutely no doubt about that, and very mm. passionate for playing and being open about being uh, playing for Samoa. I love it. Yep. And losing someone like him, no disrespect at all, 
but you've got Dejan Arcy who's playing um yep. who's playing halfback and Stephen Crichton who's playing five eight. Uh Dejan Arcy played some good football for Parramatta this year, but you know, a fringe first grader. Yep. And in the past they've had the MILF that yep. could come in, but yep. you know, the MILF hasn't been seen for a no. while. So, you know, it's it's made it shows that depth. So for example, if we flip it over to New Zealand, Sean Johnson, in my opinion, halfback of the year, yep. uh, minus, you know, not named Nathan Cleary, but you know, let's let's say it as it is. He he was our Dally M player of the year, Sean Johnson. He drops out, you bring in Jerome Hughes, premiership winning halfback. Yep. Like, you know, it, there, there's levels that New Zealand are able to reach to. Kieran Foran's still available for New Zealand as well, which is a quality, experienced half. Playing 14 at the moment. Yeah, so it, it's, you know, there, there's options And obviously there. Dylan Brown as well, who's, um, yeah. who's playing 5'8 at the moment as well. So, yeah, the depth of options is, is what uh, Australia and uh, New Zealand Zealand have at the moment mm. um, but you know what has happened as far as the Pacific nations over the last five six we're probably going back a little bit longer now has been wonderful for the game of rugby mm. league and um, while it hasn't been the um, strongest performance from uh, Samoa over the last couple of couple of games um, I did think they were pretty brave against Australia. They they went down three tries oh, very they're, quickly. They're not they're not laying down. No, so I mean an example of of where I would put the game when when Fisher Harris sort of hit that hole to score the final try. Mm. That summarised the game for me. It was just too much for Samoa yep. to handle for eighty minutes. Yep, you know they weren't going to be in the game for eighty minutes um, in terms of the differences in quality. Um, I love the fact the fact that the match was was at Eden Park. Yep, I thought it was a yeah, it was a good atmosphere. I thought that was really good. Yeah, mm. I thought that was, and uh, and you know with yeah, the Kiwis will never be the All Blacks. That is, no. you know, you're never going to compete with something like that. But if New Zealand Rugby League can continue to put a side out that can make the country proud, yep, you know, international rugby league is going to thrive, and that's what I'd love to see. And when you talk about them never being the All Blacks, um, I was over there in 2015 at the time the Super Rugby Grand Final was on, and it is just rugby, rugby, rugby. Flicked on the TV, yeah. and there is schoolboy rugby getting played live every day of the week, pretty much. Yeah. It, it, it is just um, life and death almost over there, isn't oh, it? Oh, they like love it. it. They just absolutely love it. So... Um, Taking that away from the All Blacks is never going to happen from a Warriors perspective, but that doesn't mean that the Warriors or the New Zealand uh, Rugby League international team can't be a success. Oh, yeah, and and the, a stronger Samoa, a strong Tonga, um, you know, those Pacific nations, PNG playing well and Australia's going to do Australia, um, that's only going to make it more attractive to, you know, commit to your, your country of choice and, you know, Represent. Definitely, mate. Uh, mm. What about um, Fiji versus the Cook Islands? <laughs> the bowl. The bowl. The bowl there. You know, it's good. The old good old-fashioned knockout style where you got the plate, the bowl and the cup. Yep. You know. But um, look, mate, the way I describe it is the final is set. You know, it's going to be PG ver- uh, PNG versus the Barty. Mm. But, you know... Put the keys in the bowl because if you're playing for EG, you're getting rammed. Yeah. You, it's, you know, like, I, I, you know, they could have, I, I'm suggesting that they, you know, let's skip Melbourne and let's just take New Zealand and Australia over to Waikato and play the final. Like, because yeah. now we're going to play two games in a row. 
you don't really need it. Yep. You know, and it's the same, like uh, P&G can, you know, play the body and, yeah, just play it out and give the boys an off-season. Mm. Yep. Mm. Yeah, I like it, mate. I can't I like see it. P&G getting beaten, mate. That's That's... Where I'll be with that. Yeah. Uh, well, we'll. Uh, I guess time will tell, mate. But we'll keep our eye on it. Mm-hmm. Speaking of P, speaking of P mate. What's what's reared its, its head in the headlines over the last week has been the talk of expansion. Yeah. You heard you heard this, mate. Yeah, it's not the first time it's come up. Really, let's no. be fair, Income. Um, you know, there's always been comments and and um, sort of media reports coming around. You know, a push from the PNG government to have a an NRL side. Yep. Um, you know, it's nothing new. National sport in PNG. Yep. Um, as we've spoken about before, they've got a Queensland Cup team who won it, but we're probably going back six or seven years ago now. Uh, won the Queensland Cup. Yep. Um, what do you think of the idea of expanding to um, PNG? Um, I do not like it at all. Yep. So. Correct me if I'm wrong, but the model they're talking about is um, the team would actually be based in Cairns. Okay. Yep. So yep. I, I believe that's what I, I read. The, there'd be a certain amount of games that would be played in PNG each year, but the team would actually be based in Cairns and they would play and live out of Cairns, train yeah. out of Cairns. And the exact reason why that is the option is the exact reasons why I don't like it. Mm. Um. You know, let's let's be fair to him. You know, you want if you're going to have a team represent PNG, the I think Queensland Cup is the level that PNG will compete at. Yep. I think that's the threshold for them. They should be focusing on making sure that players are ready to play for the national team. Yeah. You know, and that's what the government should be focusing on investing their money in if they're going to invest money in. I could argue and say, look, you know, they say the national sport is rugby league but i'll tell you what else is a pretty big sport over there and that's domestic violence Mm. and a range of social issues that need to be dealt with by the government not throwing money at football Mm. you know so and that's point you know and i know that that it's horrible to say Mm. but that is the fact of the matter i think we can use rugby league as a tool in png to make social change Mm. and to help the country move forward and I think that should always be, you know, one of the things that we look to do. But by throwing it, like, do we not even understand the enormity of what it takes to run an NRL team or oh. actually have an NRL team? Yeah. Well, I do think about- people underestimate that, what it takes, the money it takes, the time it takes, the business, the football smarts it takes. Like, oh, absolutely. that's not easy to get. You know, and... We look at somewhere like Newcastle, Rugby League Heartland, the Steel City, mm. you know, Illawarra will dispute that. But there's some pretty good st- – there used to be some pretty good steel come out of Newcastle as well. You know, we're talking about Rugby League Heartland in Australia that has struggled to thrive. Yes. You know, let me put a scenario to you. Let's say PNG looks to recruit players. You know, you, you need a halfback. Who's the best halfback in the game at the moment that you would consider? Nathan Cleary. Nathan Cleary is the best halfback. You are relying on someone of the ilk of Nathan Cleary or at that level to make a decision to take a contract up in and be in PNG, yeah. essentially. Because what's the point in having a team in PNG if they're not going to be in PNG? Yeah. 
Yeah. You know, what's the, what's the benefit to the people of Papua New Guinea yeah. if the team is not playing out of Port Moresby? Yeah, and the idea is I guess that team would play four of their home games a year out of Port Moresby. You could send four games up there each year if that's what you were well, looking for. I mean, if if there's a if that's what you're looking to build a connection with the people of yep. PNG and and use rugby league as a tool as I've mentioned because you know it's so important like mm. you know health issues over there HIV you know all these things are are real issues for the people of PNG and yes rugby league can be used as a tool to try and you know get change and you know have a positive impact on the people on the people of PNG but you know I mean, you're kidding yourself if you think putting an NRL team there ticks all the boxes. Yeah. You know, like it's it's crazy to think. I I like I said, I I hate it. Um, I think it's great that they compete in the Queensland Cup. I think putting emphasis on continuing to produce great PNG players. You know, Olam's a great example, and you know, I've got mates who have played for PNG yeah. and have loved it. Like you know. Yeah, I think it's crazy. I think especially when you look at what's the other news that has bounced out this week around the Rabbitohs sinking their teeth into Western Brisbane. Yep. With their relationships with high schools up there. Keep you look bark. at, you know, the Bulldogs and Gus is always talking about doing work up in Queensland and being around that southeast corner and, and looking for players. There is enough room for another team west of Brisbane. Hundred percent. That's where it needs to go. There needs to be another team in southeast Queensland. It needs to be in that western corridor, which is absolutely exploding up there as far as population. I'm talking um, Ipswich down to Bow Desert. Mm. Um, like if you go up there, we drove through there not long ago um, mm. uh, on our way back from a golf trip, and it just spreads for like about a hundred kilometres, doesn't yeah. it? It's just it's unbelievable. So. Without doubt. Speaking of the Rabbitohs, um, they're really going all in on um, Queensland. They're not only got Keeper Park signed up, they uh, uh, the Townsville Blackhawks. Have, yeah, um, so they're well. looking, and I mean, which is smart. You yeah. know, you, you need to you know try and find the best talent in the best places in in the country, and and you know, looking at the the South Sydney Juniors just isn't going to cut it anymore, and mm. and all teams need to be doing that. Yep. Definitely. Um, yeah, so to wrap it up, I mean, you know, if the Australian government, because I know there's talk about the Australian government investing money in this PNG franchise, you know, to try and smooth over relationships. <laughs> like, yeah. it's, oh. it's such a farce. Like, yeah. You know, Australian government, if you're listening to this podcast, because we know you do because you love it. Yep. You know, if you want to invest money in sport, maybe start in the places where Gina Reinhart has torn up her checks recently. Yeah. Swimming and netball or something like that. Yeah. Don't throw it at the PNG government. You know, we, you know, throw aid at, you know, you've got to give aid to countries. Absolutely. Let's not get all political on it. But I'm just saying, if the idea is investing in sport, the money can be spent elsewhere for the country. And if it, the idea is, and there is a thought out there, that it is easy to run a profitable rugby league team. You, it's a foolhardy to think that way. Oh, well, just have a look around. How many rugby league yeah. teams at the moment are running at a profit? Well, let's say, let's say an example to, if we go back to the recruitment, Lachlan Lamb. 
Mm. Probably the, he's the best halfback in Papua New Guinea. And yep. Adrian Lamb, legend of Papua New Guinea, represented Papua New Guinea when it wasn't cool to do so, yep. even though he played for Queensland. You're telling me that now, so Lachlan Lamb, you go, oh, well, Lachlan Lamb could play halfback for the PNG NRL side. Mm. You've got to pay Lachlan Lamb halfback money. So you're telling me that Lachlan Lamb, if you offered Lachlan Lamb a million dollars to live in PNG and play for PNG, he's 100% doing it. Yeah. But is he going to give you a million dollars worth of NRL talent to play in PNG? Yeah. Because Jerome Luai's off contract. He ain't going to PNG. No. You know, like, it's just crazy. Nonsense. Yep. I agree, mate. I agree. Um, look, just uh, one final point on um, uh, the rugby league, mate. Uh, came out yesterday. Melbourne are putting out the feelers for Ryan Pappenhausen to potentially move on. So, as yeah. you would 100% expect with this storm, have come out and uh, denied it. And they probably put themselves in a little position where they've got somebody else who's a th- some sort of a third party, maybe a sponsor or something like that, to put in a uh, put in a call. So they've got deniability, even plausible deniability. Yeah. Oh no, I didn't do anything like that. I, you know, I, but the, but this is for fans out there. This happens all the time. Oh yeah, 100%. like there are players who will play for your team next year, sitting at home listening, that are being shopped around at the moment. Yep. You know, because there, it's just a constant flux. The NRL and managing a salary cap—that's just the way professional sports works. Hundred percent. So, you know, as I said, Melbourne have come out and completely denied. Ryan Pappenhausen says he knows nothing about it, which may well be um, true at this stage. Mm. But where there is smoke, there is fire. So, you know, there's a couple of reasons why Melbourne might want to move on a player of his ilk. Because you know, we go back four years ago to or three years ago to the 2020 grand final. And he oh, was a superstar. an absolute superstar and has just had a wretched, an absolute wretched run with injuries. So he's on about a million dollars a year, according to um, um, papers and uh, media yeah. outlets and whatnot. So we don't really know, but that's what they're saying. Okay, He's been very injury prone over the last few years, hasn't yeah. played a lot of game time, certainly hasn't been at his best since probably the beginning of the 2021 season and the emergence of young Fargalongo who has um, lit the um, world on fire with yeah. his first first game, albeit only one. And he's obviously, um, you know, looked very good as well playing for Samoa against Australia last week when nobody else was doing anything. He looked like the danger. So no Fargalongo, yep. no story. Yep. But also too... Yeah, there's a point there in the fact that a player who's on a million a season, hypothetically, or allegedly... Allegedly. You know. He can't be far off. He's injury prone. He hasn't played, but he's still on that contract. Mm. So, yeah, you can write all the stories you want about him shopping around, but there needs to be a taker. Yep. And you're basically taking a guy who's currently got a broken ankle. Yep. There's not many football departments who are really willing to take that risk. No. When you think about the horrific nature of the ankle injury, there's the all likelihood he will come back. Yep. But how do you how do and this is where it gets into the nitty-gritty. How does your club's insurance back up you signing a player who's coming to you so grievously injured when you've got the likes of Jarao Yaoyi, Taniela Tuiaki, these players who have had ankle injuries in the past, which has ended their careers. Yep. Look. It's, it's a nothing story. 
There's nothing in this. Yeah, well... I'm going I'm to call it that. I think there's nothing in it. I don't know. I think there might be something in it. Okay. Now, I, think, I think from the point of view of I think Melbourne, based on the money he's chewing up, based on the forwards that they've lost... I think Melbourne would be happy to watch. Oh, I agree with that. They yeah. would be happy. They would, but there's got to be a taker. So that's why I say there's nothing in it because I don't think there is a taker for Ryan Pappenhausen at this point in time. All right. Well, I'm going to throw three options at you because I think there are three potential takers okay. for Ryan Pappenhausen. Uh, the Canberra Raiders. So the Canberra Raiders lost. They've Jack, got money. They've got money. They yeah, lost Jack okay. Wine, unable to replace him. Struggled to find a fullback. They don't seem to be particularly wrapped with their X Factor down there in Xavier Savage, who has scored some uh, very, very good tries in first grade, mm. um, but obviously hasn't impressed in other areas because he get, didn't get a lot of game time last year and they were more willing to go with Jordan Rupp and, our, and yep. um, uh, Chris Sebastian Chris at fullback rather yep. than uh, go with uh, Savage. So I think there is the potential that Canberra might be interested. Obviously got a good relationship with um, Craig Bellamy as well. Yep. So what do you think of that one? I, I agree. I, I can see the, the pieces and, and, you know, if you're putting together a jigsaw, it looks like that could be a play. Um, the Dragons. So Shane Flanagan's come in. Mm. They've got um, young Tyrell Sloan at fullback. Uh, not really convinced that they're loving him there. There was talk of playing... Oh, names evading me at the moment. Uh, Centre uh, at the Dragons. Um, Not Lomax. Lomax. There was talk that he was going to play at fullback as well. Mm. I don't see it as well. doesn't look like no. the um, body shape for me. I think he could be one of the game's best centres and under um, Shane Flanagan could have a Bradman best type of year next Ooh, year. That's a big call. Big call, we'll big call. But, but I think that he is um, <laughs> that good. Um, Who's the final one, mate? There's... There's got to be one more. Mate, as if you don't know, it's the, it's the Parramatta, the Mighty Eels. <laughs> the X Factor that was spoken about on our first podcast. Yep. So this is what they're going for, mate. This is what they are, um, the media who's putting, oh, it's a Sydney team. They're, they're yeah. wanting people to jump on the Parramatta because Parramatta have openly spoke about being willing to move a fullback. They want pace and they uh, are happy to have gut so, and he's a Parramatta junior. He's Kelly, a Parramatta Kellyville, junior. Kellyville, you know. It doesn't get more Parramatta junior than that. That's right. Now, you've, mate, you're a persuasive man. Mm. I can see your points here. I have, you know, categorically said that it's a nothing story. Yep. I think it's still a nothing story, but let's say round 10 next year, Ryan Pappenhausen comes back onto the field. Yep it might no longer be a nothing story. Yeah. But for a team like Parramatta, for a team like St. George, for a team like Canberra, if he comes back on and lights the world on fire, it might be too late. Yeah, see, I don't think you're getting him any cheaper, though. You might get a little a little bit of the cream taken off the top if Far Longo kicks on for Melbourne mm. in the early rounds. But I don't know, and I, I'm not too sure how long... Pappy's contract is. So he's it? got another two years. Yeah, so... I actually think that Melbourne might be willing to move him on. Now, this is me just throwing well, absolute... What, forego the last year of the contract? I think they might be willing to forego the last two years of the contract, chew a 
But is Pappenhausen willing to forego those two years? Because well, remember, he's, it's, it's his contract. Definitely not willing to forego the money. He's yeah. just willing to forego perhaps um, being at Melbourne. Now, I think Melbourne might be willing to chew more than you'd think of that and maybe even not come out too much ahead just because they don't want to lose this Farga Longo because mm. he looks that good because at the end of next year when people can come at him, if Pappenhausen's still on a contract over a long period of time, yeah. they might... That It depends on how scared they I'm are. I'm going to say it's not a story now. Mid near, mid year next year, it could possibly be a story. Yep, I um, look. I think the odds are, if you're a betting man and you're betting on the odds, you're a hundred percent right. I think the reason for that is a club like Parramatta, even if they were interested, they would balk at his injuries because mm. let's face it, Pappenhausen uh, biggest. It's often taken out of their hands. It but, is, yeah. yeah. But his attribute is he's a lightning pace. He loses that and. He could be a very good fullback, but he's not your X factor. So I think Parramatta would balk at that. But I don't think we've heard the last of this story over the next couple of weeks. I've just got a feeling that it's not going to just disappear or it's not going to be shut down. I think there might be a bit more to come out. Mm. Well, watch this space, ladies and gentlemen. Yep, we will watch this space. Um, Made a few little uh, items to touch on, mate. Um Jerome Luai, mm. he's um, he signed with new management, so he looks the the story is around him looking likely to head to the open market. I'm going to say, look, it is what it is. Um, as a Penrith fan, you know they obviously are, it's written the stories are written as if to say, oh, watch out, Penrith fans, he's going to the open market. Um, you know, there's more than a playing contract at, on offer here for Jerome Luai. You know, there's work outside of the field. There's a range of things, so the fact that he signed with new management completely makes sense, if that's what you need as an athlete. Um, Yep. Moving on. Yep. Just before we do, though, mate, I want to stay or go for Jerome Luai, who who is able to negotiate um, from November 1. Will he be at Penrith in 2025? Will he stay or will he go? I think he stays. Yep. I agree. Okay, so... um, New emblem for Manly, mate. (laughs) We saw that one. Mate, the Screaming Eagle's out. Oh, <laughs> the yes. Screaming Eagle is out. Yeah. What did you think of it? Uh, I, I mean... Whatever. I was I was pretty disappointed when Penrith changed theirs. Yeah. Um, but actually it's, you know, I don't know, three premierships sort of just, you know, eases the pain. But it, it's it's nothing for me. Not a, not a massive thing. Yeah. Um, I know the Tigers removed the paws yeah. out of theirs last year. Um, there, there seems to be this inherent thing in marketing departments around heading towards that branding style of like an NFL where yeah, it's yeah. just you've got the image, like, you know, we're, we're Seahawks fans and, you know, the Seahawks image is, you know, synonymous with all the merchandise Yeah, I know South stuff. really tried to do that a few years ago well, with the their bunny. bunny. Yeah. yeah, I mean, so, Snoop Doggy Dog. Mate. Yeah, loves it, loves it. Yeah. Uh, look, you know, I, I must admit I looked at it and I wasn't a huge rap on it, but but who really cares? But who cares about Manly either? Yeah. Who like, cares? Who you know, cares? Everyone hates Manly, so they might as well have an emblem and everyone hates as well. I agree. So that's what you get there, Manly. What All else, right. mate? And uh, just finally, mate, um, Webby, Andrew Webster has extended until 2028 over the Warriors. That was an easy one, I'd have to mm. say. What a great season over there. Um, look, they had to do it. People would have come, like, 
nipping. Oh, and, yeah. You know, they were able to come round. So, well done, Webby. Great mm. year. And I think you're going and, to... Um, you know, that's a tough thing too. Like, and I mean, I don't wish to go all the way back to the PNG thing, but, you know, the Warriors struggle with things like that. Like, Andrew Webster is an Australian coach. You know, it's very, very attractive for Andrew Webster to come to a club and get a good opportunity back here in Australia. Yeah. You know, you've got families and the whole like, you know. So it's so important for club like a club like the Warriors to tie these guys down and provide a home for them in New yep. Zealand. Yep, 100%. Mm. I agree. All right, mate, that's footy. Mate, stream of the week. Stream of the week. What do you got? We look, thought we'd just wing it today. Yeah, look, you know what I watched recently? No, you don't, do you? So I'll, I'll let you know. <laughs> yeah, please tell me and tell the listeners while you're at it. Uh, I was a big Walking Dead fan. Mm. So going back 10 years ago when it came out, I yeah, really got into it. Mate. And do you know what? I um, It was one of those shows where I absolutely loved it for about three or four seasons, but I watched about eight of them. And it was Is it kind zombies? of. Yeah, ah, yeah. The yeah. apocalypse kind of became a bit of a chore towards the end because they were just yeah. rehashing old things. But I've been off it for about five or six years now. I haven't seen it. But one of my favourite characters was Daryl Dixon, and he's got Dags. Yeah, he's got his own um, TV show, Daryl Dixon, The Walking Dead, Daryl Dixon, and he's ended up. So it was set in Atlanta, Georgia, and they sort of moved around Mm. a few different states in America. Spin off, yeah, spin off. So he's ended up in Paris, and it was the sixth episode, uh, Paris. So, so do you want to know how he got there, mate? Please tell me. Yeah, so he's got there because... Um, Daryl Dixon in Paris. Yeah, Daryl Dixon in Paris. So anyway, he's ended up um, getting in a bit of trouble with a few of these um, rough guys and they've ended up um, putting him on a ship and taking him over with all these zombies as basically food to feed them as they were travelling overseas. While they were moving them overseas, I kind of missed that point. I wasn't yeah. really sure. But, you know, that's how he ended up over there and he ended up jumping overboard and just... Floating into Paris. There you go. Happy days. So go. if you could get over the absurdity of that. Um, oh, I'm all in. Oh, all in. I um, So six episodes. So I thought, you know what? I can invest six episodes of my life back in this back in this universe. I really liked it. Good story. Ooh. Nice bit of suspense. Threw in a couple of um, new characters. Well, actually, besides Daryl, the whole cast was new. Yeah, well, there you go. Did they, did they eat? Did they? The zombies eat baguettes when they got over there. Mate, no, they didn't, but they were burning people. Oh, um, there yep, you go. So that was a little bit different from the yeah, original series. So. Actually, a funny story, speaking of baguettes, when I went on my holiday recently and we w- en- ended up in Numea, mm. <laughs> there was like a shopping centre and these people were buying baguettes from like the shopping centre in Numea. It was like it's, it's French and you've yeah. got to have a baguette. And I was like... <laughs> My glob, like seriously, <laughs> it's a, it's bread. Yeah. It's you know, yes, it comes in a long rod, and you could probably bat someone over the head with a stale piece. But seriously, oh. <laughs> what was the highlight of your trip? Well, when we went to New Mayor, um, because they spoke French, we had to get a baguette. We got some baguettes. Yeah. Uh, anyway, um, speaking of um, yeah, uh, speaking of. Telling stories and, you know, making things appear different. Uh, the stream I watched is The Fake Shake. Have you heard of The Fake Shake? No. So The Fake Shake, uh, and we speak shake from a, a Middle Eastern term. Um, it's a story about Mazza Mahmood, and he was the uh, News of the World journalist mm-hmm. um, who would often set up sting operations to catch people, and he would dress up as a shake. 
And um, so obviously, so for those people who don't, you know, who have never been to the UK or don't have understand the concept of the British tabloids, they are absolute grubs. Like seriously, like you've only got to listen to the stories and, you know, no allegedly here of the phone tapping scandals that occurred with the oh, news yeah, of the world. Yeah. And, you know, the fact that they were, you know, tapping the phones of widows of soldiers, you know, to get stories. and yeah. Like it's just crazy the shit that they got up to. Yep. So this fella, Mazza Mahmood, worked for the news of the world. And he basically would set up these sting operations where he would just try and catch people out. For football fans, a sting operation is the exact same thing that undid Sam Allardyce. He was England manager for like 30 days before Gareth Southgate took over because they had this sting operation that they did on him and then they released it out to the media. And, you know, he had to resign. Like, it's, it's fascinating because the people who are interviewed are in the industry and they sort of almost defend their actions, which, you know, as somebody like myself, I kind of find them undefensible. Like, yep. because it's, you know, you know, it's so unethical what, yep. what they do. But it was the same with Sven Joran Eriksson, the England manager. So prior to the 2006 World Cup, it goes into the story about how they set him up to run an academy in the Middle East and basically the story that they then blasted out was Sven doesn't care about England, he's just thinking about his next paycheck. Like it was, you know, which when you think about the situation, you know, what, nearly 20 years down the track, you go, too right. He was well within his rights to go, well, I'm probably not going to get re-signed by the FA. I might as well take an interview or take a sit-down meeting with someone about a future job. Yeah. Like, it was just so crazy. But obviously the the hoopla around these stories in the UK is just just massive, you know. But, you know, it wasn't just sports people. Like, this guy caught out Royals, Fergie. Yeah, yeah. Like, he's, he's done some work, this guy. So anyway, but it turns out... You know, and the story goes on through this that, you know, obviously when you're, you act in such a way, you probably got some skeletons in the closet. Yeah. You're probably going to work in unethical ways. And people just cottoned on and just went, nah, enough's enough of this bloke. So, um, yeah, and it goes into the story about him. And, you know, he was, he had like a reputation of being some sort of hard hitting journalist and, you know, some sort of vigilante good guy by rolling these stories out but you know at the end of the day it was like he was just as bad as the people he was reporting on like one of the early stories and you know a spoiler alert for those who were you know who would like to go and check it out on amazon prime um you know it was a model i can't i can't forget remember her name to be honest um however he just set her up so she would take cocaine and then absolutely ruined her career Oh, wow. You know, just got her in there, had all the cameras set up and set it up so, you know, he could get the footage to show that she had organised for the drugs and then that had an image of her taking them. Yep. And then ruined her career. Like, just, yeah, it's fascinating, it's frustrating, it's an interesting watch. I like this sort of stuff, you know, when when I'm scrolling through looking for things to watch. So if you want to check out um, The Fake Shake on Amazon Prime, go and get amongst it. Get amongst it, guys, get amongst it. Yeah. Mate, uh, is it time to get integral? Let's get integral. 
What have you got for us this week? Mate, I thought we'd discuss the subject that not many people really want to discuss about national anthems, mate. National anthems. So obviously you've seen in the news recently and the listeners may have may have seen in the news a, a few you know articles around players avoiding singing the national anthem. Yep. You know what are your thoughts on that, Potty? I might just throw straight to you. Like, we've seen it. It's it's pretty straight, cut and dry. You know, certain players are choosing not to sing the national anthem. Yep. You, know, we're, you know, where are we at? Um, f- for me, I'd, I'd, fair enough. If they don't want to sing the national mm. anthem, individuals don't want to sing the national anthem, um, whether it be um, because they're... Um, uh, trying to bring to light a particular issue yep. or whether it's um, because certain beliefs about the National Anthem, I, I'm okay with that. Yeah. So Mal Meninga came out um, yep. and we, we mentioned it earlier that Mal on the front foot, he's like, oh, I, I have no input. Um, I'm happy for players, you know, to follow their, you know, beliefs, their values and, and make judgments themselves yep. as the players of the Australian football team, of Australian rugby league team. You know, so, um, which is pretty straightforward. I, f- I feel the same. Um, first and foremost, I'm going to full disclosure. I'm not a massive fan of our national anthem. Yeah, I agree. It's not about, you know, nothing political about it no. or what it is. Is I, I'm a bit of a national anthem nerd yep. and um, I've been to sporting events all over the world and, I mean, the Seppos do it well. Yeah. The French do it well. And when you start to, and, you know, I'm like I said, I'm a bit of a nerd. I've gone through the rabbit hole of looking at the lyrics of some of these national anthems. And Advanced Stray Affair is so soft. Yeah. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it is such, it's like, uh, yeah, there, there's, there's no real grasping historical significance about our national anthem that I'm like, I'm... Yeah, I'm like, eh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but on the flip side to that, you know, I I truly believe that if people want to sing the national anthem, you know, or they don't want to rather, you know, that, I mean, it, no skin off white. Yeah. Doesn't I'll, matter. Yeah, exactly the same. But what I would suggest, and I mean, Max Krillich and Ken Arthurson... They have come out swinging. I didn't. I mean, Ken Arthurson, far out. I mean, yeah. what a blast from the past. I know. I mean, so I could make a joke about you know them being older and you know all that sort of stuff, but I think there's something in that. You know, Ken Arthurson has been a rugby league administrator for so long. Max Krillich is an ex Australian representative. Yeah. Do they have a different viewpoint on what Australia is? and what the national anthem means to Australia due to their age in comparison to the players who are running on the field today. Yeah. And how much does that play a part? Because I would suggest that something we do very, very poorly in this country is understand our own history and significance of certain parts of our history. You could go back and say all the way to our Indigenous history. Yep. We don't do a good enough job of 
you know, learning about it and learning the significance of it. But also, too, when you talk about protesting and having different values and saying that this is a song that doesn't speak for us, that also, too, doesn't really consider the history of those who had trench foot in Gallipoli. Yeah. Either. I you mean, know, that's a like fair there's, point. there's so much of our history that I just don't know whether the issue isn't about players having to sing a national anthem because I think that's nonsense. Yeah. The issue for me is how do we teach everyone, not just the athletes in our country, how do we teach everyone as Australians to understand the significance of why it is great to be a citizen of this great country? I don't know the answer to that, but you bring up an interesting point when you talk about Max Krillich, Ken Arthurson. Um, I don't want to speculate on how old they are, but it is certainly I'd have to think um, Ken Arthurson's well, in his eighties. Let's look how old Ken is because Ken was old when he was fighting for the ARL back in the nineties. Yeah, so Ken, Ken Arthurson was the linchpin for the ARL back in the um, Super League Wars. Yeah, but yeah, so. Uh, and I would have thought he was 70 dead. <laughs> Sorry, Kenny. <laughs> oh, but, you know, yeah. I, I think, it, yeah, like you said, he's 94. 94. <laughs> he's 94. So, yeah. On you, Ken. Yeah, so Ken, Ken has um, uh, lived through, um, you know, a very different period of time That's to what a, I have. And, you know... I think that's important. Yeah, you know, I agree. I think in, in this day and age we don't consider that. You know, and that's why, you know, I, I dislike, you know, passing comments. I know it's it's trolling, it's social media, that, that you know, okay, boomer sort of idea. Mm. Man, there is inherent value in, in sitting and listening to those of an older generation and what they have to say. Yeah, we've discussed this before and I guess – can we sometimes be guilty of, um, as society, dismissing sometimes the older generation? Oh, oh because oh, they're just, yeah. you know... Out of touch. Out of touch. Yeah, that's the words I'm looking for. So, yeah. Mm. Look, mate, it's, it, it's an interesting one. I, I, I could say off the top of my head I don't really have an answer for you, but I don't know that I could sit here for two hours and put my mind to it and come up with much of an answer. No. It's an interesting, it's an interesting point you bring up. Uh, yeah. So, you know, I think we all love this country. Yep. And we'd all love everybody to love this country. And, you know, the way when I look at it, you know, forcing someone to do something doesn't fit within what this country's about. No. But it's also, too, how do we give everyone who lives and breathes this country and loves it like we do the tools to understand the significance of what it means to be a part of? Our country. Yeah. I said our country so many times in that. I liked it. I liked it. <laughs> you could be you could be the next president, mate. Oh, mate. <laughs> oh, <laughs> hey, uh, I'm a monarchist. <laughs> Allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> oh, how did we get political on this show? Yeah, well, we did. All oh. right, mate. Should we uh, jump into um, all other sport? Absolutely. Rightio, mate, we'll start with the far 
fights. A lot of fights on the weekend. Big, big card. Look, it was a big card. Um, wins for Makachev, Shemaev, uh, Alessakarov, and Nurmagomedov in the main card. Also, too, I gave the um, the listeners a bit of a heads up on the main fight of the prelim: Tim Elliott, Muhammad Mokayev, and Mokayev got the beer, got the chocolates, mate. Submission. Um, I thought he was a special for that one. Uh, one to look out for. Um, look, some interesting dr- and drama in the main card. Um, obviously not mentioning uh, Magomed Ankalaev versus Johnny Walker, which was ruled a no contest, which was an absolute bizarre set of circumstances. Now, did you get a chance to check out the ins and outs of that one, mate, or what had occurred? No, I did see something, but I was... I wasn't exactly sure what had happened. So, so essentially, Magomed and Kaliev had gotten Johnny Walker against the cage. Johnny was he was on a knee and a hand. Yeah. And then Ankalaev kneed him in the head. Okay. Now, which is a foul. You cannot do that. Okay, because you can't knee a grounded opponent. There's a lot of people who just straight up just go, oh, well, should be able to do it. You know, that's a complete different argument for a different day because that's not within the rules of. You this. can't do it. You can't do it. So Johnny Walker was then given the timeout because it was an illegal strike. Yeah. And then the doctor came in. So when the doctor came in, he asked Johnny Walker, and, you know, it's very important. Although Johnny Walker sounds like he is the bloke from the bottle of scotch, Mm. he's not. He's actually a Brazilian who speaks Portuguese, who's named Johnny Walker. Um Johnny Walker, obviously his second language or, you know, it's English isn't his first language. So the doctor comes in and asks Johnny Walker and let's put into context too. He's in the middle of a fight. He's just had his head need mm. and the doctor comes in and asks him, what country are we in? <laughs> They're in Abu Dhabi. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Now, I have to think and go, we're in the United Arab Emirates, but Johnny Walker responded with, we're in the desert. (laughs) (laughs) And the referee said, he said, we're in the desert, I'm calling the fight off. So they've (laughs) called the fight. Anyway, so that's as crazy (laughs) as anything, you know, which is, you know, it's ridiculous. They've called the fight off, which, you know, and it, you know, the doctor can, you know, he can stand up and say, look, I had the right to call the fight off and there's rules that would support that decision, which is, but it's a dumb question. And the circumstances, adrenaline fueled fighter who doesn't speak English as his first language in the middle of a fight in a packed arena. Yeah. And you're asking him a question like that. Anyway. Um, so anyway, <laughs> the issue I then have is... It's ruled a no contest. Now, if you can no longer continue the fight because you think you're in the desert, which you are, yeah. and you've been hit by an illegal strike, that's a disqualification. Yeah, surely that's a DQ. No? Now, the devil's in the detail where they say that the referee can determine whether they thought it was an intentional strike or an accidental strike. So obviously being ruled a no contest, the referee has determined that it was an accidental strike. So talk me through that just for a second, just, you know, for clarity. An so accidental let's, let's strike, go, he the, is meant to strike him 
the like, testicles are the better example. So yeah. if you get kicked, yeah. an inside leg kicks a, a typical one where you'll get it wrong, you'll hit them in the nuts. Yeah. They cannot continue. It's an accidental strike. You're aiming for the inside of the leg. You accidentally got the nuts. They can't continue. Their nuts exploded, whatever. Yeah then it's a no contest. Yeah. Because it wasn't, you weren't trying to kick them in the nuts. Accidents happen. I mean, that'd be funny. Joe's son, who's, I think it was UFC like eight, went to town on someone's nuts. That was back when you could do it. So check that one out. That's a ripper. <laughs> <laughs> now, going back to the Johnny Walker one, if you are aiming a knee towards someone's head and they're grounded, how can you deem that as accidental? <laughs> it doesn't work. So I mean, yeah. Anyway, so for me, I, I think they're you know I think they've got it wrong. That you'll never get it overturned. It will it will be what it is. But um, yeah, I can't say it's a no contest. They'll they'll fight again. For someone with not the um, fight knowledge that you have, I don't understand how that could possibly be. Neither do I. An and accident. <laughs> so and for me, that that's usually. That's usually the test, isn't it? If you yeah. get somebody in there who doesn't know the intricacies of it and therefore can't make a solid argument about it and they go, that's a DQ, it's because they're just calling what they see based on the yeah. rule that you've just told them. Usually, if you're deviating from that, it's kind of like, well, you're getting that wrong. Yeah. It's, yeah, and it's very, very, like, yeah, people get jack of that. Like, it's it seems like, and... Fight sports, whether it be boxing, MMA, grappling, what they can do without, you know, conspiracy theorists thrive off those sports. Yep. Everything's a robbery. Yeah. So you want to avoid that as much as you can, and this does not help it no, at all. No, no. Um, other results, um, Hamzat Shemaev, he, he got the win over Usman. Usman came to fight. I thought it was a great performance from Usman. Um, some weird scorecards. Um, Shemaev, he came out like an absolute tsunami. He got a 10-8 round. But Usman rallied, and, I mean, it was a split decision. So um, there was a draw in on one of the cards, which had Usman getting a 10-8, then... Uh, uh, sorry, Shemaev getting the 10-8, then Usman getting two 10-9 round wins. Yep. And then the others had Usman... Uh, getting one round. Mm. So um, Shemaev got the decision, but, I mean, for Kamara Usman to come in on short notice and put in a performance like that against the boogeyman in Hamzat Shemaev, it was it was a great performance. And I'd love to see more of that from Usman, just get some a couple of massive paychecks, go and take some big fights, get excited about those fights and, and see your career out. Yeah. Um, and the final one, obviously disappointing for us as, as Aussies, but um, Volk, you know, he just... First round knockout, you know, he just wore a head kick, man. Yep. It happens, you know. Makachev made some really good adjustments. Sorry, am I wrong? Like, he had very short notice, didn't he? Yeah, 12 yeah, days. 12 days, so, yeah. yeah. And um, he, he was could quite that a, have had an impact there? Or? Oh, yeah, absolutely. But he was quite emotional after the loss. Um, and he talked about, you know, his motivation and the fact that he was really struggling with his mental health and not being in camp for a fight you know yeah, and this right. is it really opens up your eyes to you know the struggles that professional athletes go when they're not competing yeah um 
you know, some would say that he was probably emotional because Mark Zuckerberg was posting you know, their training footage and claiming that he, you know, he was in Volk's corner. <laughs> like he, he had so, he was his training partner. Oh, but, you know, right. I'm certain there was more to it than that. But, yeah, yeah. and I, I love that. Like I spoke about before, coaches being honest, coaches being up front. You know, when athletes are, you know, putting themselves out there and saying, look, this is the deal. You know, I'm, I'm an athlete and if I'm not fighting – um, I struggle. Yeah. Like it's it's honest and it's yeah. Yeah, well done, well done mm. because that is that is tough to say. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, twelve days for such a fight like that. Yeah, what a weapon, uh, mate. Staying in the um, entertainment arena, I guess. In the fight game. In the fight game. <laughs> so we we covered Logan Paul last week. Yeah. Yep. And uh, well, no rest for Logan Paul. He's but. off to um, Crown Jewel, uh, which is the WWE event they held annually over in um, Saudi Arabia, I believe. And uh, he's going to be taking on Rey Mysterio for the United States title. Yeah. Yeah. So Rey Mysterio, an absolute legend, uh, a high flyer, must be in his mid forties now, but still at the top yeah. of his game. And uh, Logan Paul, like, have, have you actually caught any of his in ring work with WWE? I a, a little bit, mainly highlights, but he, he's he's doing well. Yeah. So um, I, I, I took a little bit of a look back at some of the stuff that he's done. He he he's a he's a highlight reel. Yeah. So everything he does is. Incredible. So well, you would you would expect when Logan Paul's on the show, there's going to be eyes on the show because Logan Paul brings eyes. Yes. So, so. a couple of years ago, he did a he did a splash from the corner of the ring over onto the announcer table, holding a phone, doing a selfie as he's doing it. Yeah. So, and he had a series of matches. I think, well, maybe it was one, but with a WWE superstar uh, called Ricochet, mm. and that if you want. Two or three minutes to see what he's about in that environment. Go watch that because those are two um, very athletic stars. Uh, will he win? Have to ask Vince. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, you'd have to write the script writers yeah, or talk uh, to them about it. Yeah, but I'm sure between these two it's going to be an absolute highlight. Now, the, the thing that I took out of it is, you know, the Paul brothers using their platforms to further their careers elsewhere. Yep. He set it up at yep. his boxing fight. Like that's, oh, yeah. you know, he, at his boxing fight, he mentioned at the end, I want Rey Mysterio. And everybody yeah. who's watches boxing was just like, oh man, what is he doing? And then he comes, like it's just, yeah, yeah. It's, it's clever. It is clever. It's brilliant. It is clever. And people shake their heads at it and he just goes, oh, do you mind not shaking your head at me while I'm counting all my money? Yeah. Like, you know, and I think they fall into the category of um, – we discussed David Beckham a few weeks ago on our um, – um, it was our on our football show, didn't we? And we mm. discussed his documentary. And because of his um, shining light in the public eye, um, you know, everything he was doing outside football, I joked with you, oh, I watched the documentary and I forgot that he was actually a really good footballer. Yes. Um, I think sometimes because of the stuff that the Paul brothers do outside of their chosen athletic fields, people forget, oh, these are – these are proper athletes. Yeah. These guys can go. Mm. Like, they are professional-level athletes, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So, um, look, I'll tell you what, I think it's going to be worth a watch if, if, if you're um, yeah. flying about a TV. All right, mate. Mate, a bit of F1, giddy up. They were in Texas, baby, over the weekend. Uh, mate, 
Celebs were out. Celebs were out. Joe Jonas. Prince Harry was there. And um, even Elon. Harry. <laughs> Elon brought one of those, oh, those Tesla Cybertrucks. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's good. It's oh. a bit of a show, which is great. But um, Charles Leclerc, he got pole. Um, and uh, Chuck Norris was on the front oh, row. Oh, I love you, Yeah, Chuck. he was on the front row. Do you feel like the momentum of the sports detention around Lando Chuck Norris is really what's mm. catapulted him up there? Oh, I think so. Yeah. I think so, yeah. He's, he was um, battling there middle of the pack until uh, I made the call in our Futures episode, mate, that we'd be see Lando Chuck Norris on the podium, and he's just gone from strength to strength. Oh, mate. <laughs> Speaking of, we've had Chuck so much, to, and I just because we've finished the fights... Have you ever heard or seen the video when Vandalay Silva fought Chuck Liddell? Oh, chuck it on. I think so, I have seen it. So one. when he they were announcing the fight and he said that he wanted to like because Vandalay Silva's Brazilian as well. Yeah. And he said that he want, he wanted to say that he wanted to fight Chuck, but he said, I want to fuck Chuck. <laughs> <laughs> have you not seen that? I think I have seen yeah, that. Yeah, it's hilarious. I'll I'll try and drag it up. Oh, here we go. You've got Dana White. So this is like an old UFC one. Oh. Chuck Liddell walks in. <laughs> oh, oh, I tell you what. Um, oh, oh, I just remember. I just remember that when we we had so much Chuck. Just came flooding back to you. <laughs> oh, so who got the victory, mate? Yeah, mate, so Maxi Verstappen got oh, the victory. Oh, come on, so, mate. Give someone else a crack. So um, Charles Leclerc, he got pole, but I mean Lando Norris. Hammered him on the on the start and just got up on the on the inside a little little cheeky move and um, yeah took the lead straight away, but um, obviously just the you know the ability of Verstappen to to stick out the race be smart with the with the pits um, you know he was able to able to hold it off um, Hamilton got on the podium as well but there was some controversy ladies course, and gentlemen of course of um, course so Plankgate. Is mm. in full effect now. I didn't even know that cars had planks, but no. apparently they do. Yeah, right. So what's happened? Apparently, Hamilton and Leclerc have both been disqualified, and apparently, when they did the um, the post race analysis of the vehicles, they realised that there had been deterioration of the plank, meaning yep. that they were no longer legal. I yep. don't know what that means, but um, no, yeah. I don't either. But I'm gonna. I'm happy to go with it. Yeah. Hmm. So, um, yeah. So apparently they've, you know, been stripped of the points, and it's all a bit of adjustment there. But yeah, but uh, yeah, pretty rough weekend in the end. Like when you're on pole for Ferrari, you're going well. We're a good thing here. Yeah. And then to not only lose the race, fall out of the podium from Leclerc's position, but also then to get disqualified. Far out. That's a shit weekend. Yep. That's not what you're after. Yep. Anyway. Righty-o, mate, the NFL, what happened over in the football, mate? All right, so the winners, the Jags, the Ravens, the Bucks, the Giants, the Bears, the Patriots, Colts, the Steelers, all with victories. Our Seahawks, mate, got a win. The Chiefs, the Broncos, and the Eagles all getting wins, and tomorrow the 49ers take yeah, on Monday the Vikings. 
What so, was your game of the week, mate? Who'd you have? Oh, mate, on Thursday Night Football last week, I caught um, most of the Jags versus Saints. Um, look, things just haven't clicked consistently for the Jags' offense this year. Mm. So they seem to be starting real well. Again, they jumped out to a really strong early lead against the Saints, and they were um, they had something like 227 um, um, metres gained in, in the, the first half and then 14 in the second. And they actually, yeah. the D was on for... I think thirteen minutes in the in the third quarter. Yeah. So they just don't seem time. to be. They're, they're five and two, so they're going pretty well. Mm. Like you look at that, I suppose record, and that's um, pretty impressive. But I just think the wheels have got to start to fall off, or there's got to be some drastic improvement for the Jags pretty soon, because in the third quarter they were basically non-existent. They were able to stumble their way over the line against the Saints, but I think a better opposition would yeah. have really put them to the cleaners. Because they certainly wouldn't have had that lead against a decent D in the in the first half. Yeah. Well, I mean, one thing the Jaguars do have, um, and that is an owner with the greatest, most luscious moustache in the NFL. Yep. And um, he's also the owner of Fulham Football Club. Mm. So, um, the Bills versus the Patriots for me, mate. Yeah. Um, massive upset. Like yep. the Bills have lost again. They're they're now four and three, which is not the Bills that I would have expected going into this season. No, you know, I think uh, Bills fans would have been dreaming of bigger things. Yeah. Um, you know, the Patriots have struggled. They were going into the match one and five. Uh, Mac Jones, he was just more clinical. When you look at the stats of his completions yep. in the passing, he was just so much more clinical than Allen. Mm. And, um, you know, I think they struggled. They both struggled to get the run game going. Um, there wasn't that much yardage obtained on the run game. Um, you know, the Bills took the lead the fourth and you were, like, when you're watching it, you're going, oh, well, they, they'll probably get away with this one. And which, you know, you know, the results would indicate that they were the favourites mm. by far and, you you know, you'd, you'd be happy with that if you're a Buffalo fan. But Mac Jones with the final drive found yeah. the tight end, uh, Mike Gesicki, and the Pats got the win, mate. Yeah. But um, another game, I don't want to jump away from... The Bills and the Patriots, but I will. Um, well, why not, mate? The Dolphins and the Eagles, mate. Yeah. I'd never clicked until we did Ace Ventura the other week when we were talking about movies that can't be made anymore. That Van Ginkle playing for the Dolphins is like Ray Finkel. He's like Ray Finkel. <laughs> Ray Finkel and Van Ginkle. Like, Van Ginkle cannot play for anyone except for the Miami Dolphins, can he? No, he can't. Laces were in. <laughs> But anyway, um, oh. yeah, look, I thought I'd quickly touch on the golf. So the, the live is back on. So the, the team championships are, are this week. Um, so we'll, we'll go through that next uh, next episode next week. We'll look at the, um, the live team format. However, um, yeah, look, we'll talk about the format and the like, and we'll touch on that next week. What do you reckon, Pod? Yep, I like it, mate. That sounds good. Um, the cricket, mate. Cricket World Cup. So uh, it was only last week we were sitting here talking about the Aussies and the dire straits they were in. We talked about the draw. They lost to India and South Africa, but they've come good, mate. Mm. They've had a couple of really good wins, including a very good partnership in the uh, match against Pakistan. So they beat Sri Lanka, and they had a David Warner, Mitch Marsh, had an exceptional partnership, two hundred and fifty nine runs. I was watching it, mate. It was it was good. Yeah, 
It was good to watch. It was. I, I, I watched, um, when you sent me the text to say they're going all right, I flicked it on and then I watched the mini the next day as well. So uh, it was a great watch. Um, look, Pakistan did really well. They came out. Yeah, they and didn't die wondering. They were chasing, they? what was it, 360, nearly 370 runs. Yeah, they got 305 in the chase. Yeah, so. It's not a bad go. Yeah, that's that's pretty good for a, a second, you know, the second innings mm. to try and pull that back. Um, so in other matches, mate, hmm. England got pumped by South Africa, so they moved to one and three. They're in all sorts. Yeah, so they're losing reach with the four. So Australia's got a big match against New Zealand this week yep. and then another match against England in week five. Yeah. Now, around those fixtures, I'm thinking, you know, and what I've seen of the Aussies in the last week, you're looking to build momentum. You know, yep. you're playing against the Dutch, the Afghanistan and Bangladesh. Yep. You know, I can see, I can start to see, and I was critical of the format in a previous podcast, but I can start to see how this might work for Australia in terms of getting the reps in and getting the players comfortable playing in the subcontinent, you know, as the tournament goes on because you're playing so many pool matches. Yeah, and we spoke about it being the most even way to decide a winner. You have to play everyone. Everyone, Um, I think... I think, uh, obviously, the form teams, uh, India, uh, who's been playing very, very well, um, South Africa and New Zealand, who's been playing Mm. very, very well. I think Australia will make it if they beat New Zealand or England. Yeah. I'm not sure they need to win both. I'm not sure they will win both because they've still got another, what is it, five games until they actually play. Yeah. Um, until they actually move into the semi-final yeah. time. So you spoke about timing your run. They really need to make sure that that's what's happening for yeah. them. We could be looking back come semi-final time and going those first two results, which were concerning at the time. Yeah. It's like, doesn't matter. Yeah, that's right. Mm. Yeah, so um, who's going to be player of the tournament, mate? Um, wouldn't have a clue, mate. I was just, I'm just reveling in the fact that England are fucking shit. Yep. <laughs> loving it, loving it. I mean, Mitch Marsh, if he can kick yeah. on and score a few more hundreds, he's the new captain, I believe. Mm. Um, or maybe that's for the 2020, but he's certainly in a leadership position. Davey Warner scoring some good runs. Yeah. I, I think Marsh, he, he will be, if we do well, Marsh will be the player that we ride the coattails of, I think so. Yeah, obviously you spoke about uh, Quinton de Kock last week and mm. I guess the law will be around whether he can stay hard or not. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Do you, reckon, do you reckon he's bringing David Goggins I in? I think he might be bringing Goggins in. <laughs> stay hard. <laughs> oh, we love Goggins here. Oh, righty, the Rugby World Cup, mate. Mate, first thing I'll say before I flip over to you is hats off to um, the world of rugby. It's been a hell of a tournament. Yeah, it has been, mate. Yeah. Um, obviously, the the Kiwis and South Africa are through to the final um, with wins. Yep. Um, I didn't catch the New Zealand versus Argentina match. Um, however, I did catch the South Africa-England match. Yeah, um, I caught the highlights of that. Um, good performance by England. I did catch up with the New Zealand match, and, and I mean, they would, they just appeared so clinical. Yep. In, you know, the, the Pumas are, uh, they're very good. In, they've got always, Argentina's always had a really good forward pack. Yeah. Um, and they've been willing to throw their hand playing expansive rugby when they can. Yep. Mate, I watched 
the highlights of how New Zealand played, and it looked rugby league-like, the way they set up their, their plays. Yeah, right. You know, just all players were in motion, bodies were in motion, and they just played the block plays out through the back. And, I mean, they blew Argentina off the park. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, so you go back a month and... Well, it's got to be close to a month now. New Zealand lost their first game to France, and mm. everyone's like, "Well, here we go. Uh, what a concern, what yeah. a concern is this going to be?" Perhaps they've just um, timed their run to perfection. A long tournament, a mm. lot of games, uh, and they certainly look like they're coming up trumps. So they'd be my tip for the final. Yeah, and I mean, at the end of the day, mate, New Zealand versus South Africa. Pick your poison. Pick your dead set. Yeah, <laughs> hate them both. Yeah, <laughs> um, look. England put in a huge performance against South Africa. That was probably the biggest surprise because, you know, they they were in that game. They, mm. you know, it it could have gone their way. Owen Farrell, mate, he was doing his best Johnny Wilkinson impersonation <laughs> because he was taking three points whenever he could get them. Field goals, oh, that's a, penalties, yeah. you know, like it was, yeah, it was bad. New England had a game plan. It was take points when they came on offer and it almost paid off. Yep, yep. Mm. Oh, well, um, almost. Close but no cigar, mate. Mm. Rightio, mate. Um, multi, mate. How multi, mate. No good, mate. I bet it with my heart this weekend. I went Everton. I went uh, Dominic Calvin-Lewin to score, um, uh, Salah to score and Everton to win. I mean... <laughs> Let's just say there were some juicy odds. I was on. If I'd won that, I was um, I was on easy street. But uh, no, one from three, and unfortunately, Sal was the only one. So um, I, I got to uh, I got to check my legs. Actually, yes, I you know I knew I was out after the first match, but um, I've actually got a leg up because yeah. I had the Seahawks. Um, I had the draw for Everton Liverpool, and I think if Ashley Young stays on the field. There's a good chances to draw because yep. Everton were well and truly in that match. But I did have Argentina with the start, mm. and they were they had an eighteen and a half start, and I just thought that it could be a scrappy game yep. and it could have been a close game. But I was wrong. No, you were well, you were well wrong there, <laughs> yeah, mate. They got blown out. Um, yeah, so no good for me. One from three. All right, mate. Should we get on the main event? We should get on to the main event. Penis of the week, mate. Uh, yeah, penis of the week. Now, um, I might let you go first because I'm just going to have to make one up. Yep. I actually haven't even prepared one this week. Very cool, mate. So, are, are you familiar with the Curdo? The Curdo? Yeah. So, no, I'm not, mate. you're driving along, you let someone in, what do you expect oh, the back? Cur- oh, yeah. The Curdo, yeah, yeah. you know, just, just a quick wave. Finger up. Just a bit of acknowledgement. Thank you very much, mate. I, I'm a big fan of the Curdo. The Curdo? Forgive all sins yeah. on the road. And the Curdo, you just it just makes you feel good about what you've just done. So the other day, on my way to work, driving along, and there is this huge queue. Traffic, bit of a traffic jam. I'm actually running a little bit late to school, to, to work. So I'm like, oh, righto. Oh, there's somebody who's clearly trying to nudge in. They are struggling. They looked like they had a little bit of panic on their face. It actually looked like they were going to do something that was a little bit of a concern and, and mm. jag out. And so I've just backed off, even though it was going to drop me back in the queue and it was probably going to cost me a few extra minutes, no big deal, let them in. And I was like, you know what? Well done, Pod. That's a good thing. No Curdo. I was uh, spewing, mate. I was blowing up. Yeah. All you had to do was throw your hand up and say, mm. 
yep, thank you very much. And what, I would have been what happy. really, really shits me is you know when you're on the the dual mm. carriageway and you move out to allow someone to then turn into the highway, yep, and then they don't give the curtain, yeah, oh mate, that you know that's the worst of them, yeah, because it's like, you know, can you not be appreciative? Yep, I used to carpool to, to work, and I used to drive about an hour to work each day with a couple of people and if they're listening to this now they'll they'll know my rant about the Curdo. they've heard it a few <laughs> times <laughs> daily driving through brisbane traffic oh i can imagine mate yeah. um look i've got a penis of the week mm. um now this one's just got even more interesting because i was wondering whether there was any sort of news reports about it but i was watching manchester united versus sheffield united um on sunday morning and um there was a guy who had made his way onto the field toward the end of the match and was heckling the United players and giving them the old, you know, feed the chickens, wanker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so he's dead set on the field. And he was on there for a good seven to eight seconds before the stewards actually realised he was on the field. Yeah. So my penis of the week is the stewards of Sheffield United Football Club. <laughs> So when trying to get, you know, just briefly as you were sharing yours, a bit of information about the stewards of Sheffield United Football Club, the only thing that has popped up is available steward jobs at Sheffield United <laughs> Football Club. So you think it's someone's got the sack. So it's either somebody has got the sack or they actually have not got enough stewards there. So, yeah. But oh, it's so funny. Cause, and then you look at it and there's probably about, oh, I'd say 45 stewards mm. At the away fan, or you know, facing the wrong way, so they don't even look in the field. Yeah, like I understand it's like a lot of the time the stewards who get jobs in the Premier League are fans who just go, "Oh, get a free ticket." Yeah, you know. <laughs> so, but anyway, you know, it, it ended up nothing. You know, it wasn't a, a there was no malice in <laughs> what the fella did. But I mean, come on, stewards, it's your one job. Come on, yeah. come on. So, penis of the week, stewards. It's Sheffield United Football Club. All right, mate. That mm. sounds like it's us. Another week, another well, dollar. Well, that is us. And, um, yeah, that'll, that'll see us through, mate. Another podcast in the books. Lovely, lovely. Yeah, so um, thank you very much to our listeners. Now, make sure you get a like, get a subscribe of the show mm. um, from your podcast dealers. Um, get behind us. Share us around. If you if you have a chance and you access the sports detention on social media, give us a share um, of our episode page. Share the love. Get the word out. Anybody else who wants to jump on board and, and be a loyal listener. And with please the crew. get in touch, with, in touch with us. We'd love to hear what. We'd love to share yeah. your what, thoughts what on the show. What do you want to hear on the show? Yep. And we want to, you know, we want to bring you guys into the Robert Allenby studio. Yep. Uh, but most importantly, for any of our listeners out in Bellingen, home of the Magpies, we say good night and farewell. <laughs>